Everybody. Welcome back to episode 16. One six. Sweet 16. So the June gloom update is today, as I sit here, it is Tuesday, June 13th. Sunday, just two days ago, it rained twice. Not drizzle, not a not a misty rain, actual shower rain. <laughs> oh man. Do not come to SoCal in May or June. Uh, I got I got something I got to get off get off my chest. Do any of you watch Ted Lasso? You know this is the last season. It's on Apple. It's got Jason Sudeikis. He plays a soccer coach. This is season three, and it's a, it's the last season. There's twelve episodes in this season. We just finished episode twelve last night. Great series ender. You know it it's it's difficult to end a series properly, but I have to say the last episode of Ted Lasso was pretty good. Now, here's what I want to get off my chest. Episode 11. Please, people, watch this. Because it's going to prove to you that even on a big network, studio, big budget project, sometimes people don't know what they're doing. Now, I haven't dug into who the cinematographer was on episode 11. But watch episode 11 and look at the cinematography. Specifically, look at the lighting. It's horrible. So here's an example. There will be a wide shot, and the lighting is a little bit dim. Could be brighter. And then when you punch in for the close-ups, it's bright. You go back out for the wide, it's darker. Go in for the close-ups, it's brighter. You know, cinematographers have this handheld light meter, and they're supposed to use it. (laughs) And you're supposed to have the same reading, right? The same number on a medium shot, a close-up shot, or a wide shot. It should all be the same. Lighting should be seamless. That... I, I hope they fired his ass. So I, I need to look into Ted Lasso and see who the cinematographer was on episode 11 and see if he had worked previously or if he did 12, because 12 was was good. There were no cinematography issues. Here's another example. I think I've told you this one before. When we were at Juniper Studios in Burbank, which is the post-sound house that I took the hike to, they were working on a Robert De Niro movie. And at the time, I don't, I don't know the name of the movie. He, you know, the guy didn't tell me and I didn't ask. But the owner of Juniper told me, Dave, you had an amazing sound guy. Because this Robert De Niro movie we're doing down the hall, there are so many sound issues, we're having a hard time correcting them all. And on your movie, it was a piece of cake. There were very few problems. It just goes to show you. Just because someone works on a big budget film or TV show doesn't mean they know what the hell they're doing. All right, let's get to this episode. In this episode, y'all gonna like, we've been waiting on this one. This is all about casting. We have so much to talk about with casting. This might go into two episodes. I can't tell you. Just depends on uh, how this one goes. And me, I'm here to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Please allow me to bottom line casting for you. Casting is all about a look. That's it. It's that simple. It's all about a look. Now, filmmaking is storytelling. And we've been storytelling since we've been walking upright. The hieroglyphics on caves. That was storytelling. 
There are stereotypes in the world, in our society. You and I both don't like stereotypes. Stereotypes are not good. They're counterproductive and they're generally seen as a negative. But in storytelling, stereotypes are pretty much what's expected. And in storytelling, they usually don't use the word stereotype. They use the word archetype. I think it's A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-E. Let's pull up the definition of archetype from Oxford Languages. Archetype, a noun, a very typical example of a certain person or thing. So if you use that word in a sentence, it would be, the book is a perfect archetype of the genre. That's the example that Oxford Languages use, not Dave. (laughs) So yeah, archetypes are in storytelling. They always have been and they always will be. Now you, assuming you're the writer of your script and that you're going to direct your script, you have a choice. You can cast the characters in your script according to archetype, or you can go against the grain and cast against type. It's your choice because you are the king or queen of your domain. Yes, you are. Now, you just have to be aware that if you go against type, if you cast against archetype, people may not like it. People may have a difficult time accepting that actor in the role who does not match the archetype, who does not match the archetypical character. So when it comes to your movie, go for the look. What is the look you're looking for? What are you looking for? Let's make this a drinking game. Every time I say look, let's take a shot, all right? Assuming you wrote your script, you see these characters in your head. What do they look like? What do they look like? You know, stereotypes, archetype, whatever you want to call it. They're in storytelling, but that doesn't mean you can't go against it. You guys remember back in the day, some of you probably weren't even born. There was an actor named Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey was hot. He was in Ace Ventura, The Mask. He did a movie called The Cable Guy, and everyone hated it. Now, that was casting Jim Carrey against the typical roles that he had had up to that point. In The Cable Guy, he plays like a psychotic cable installer. and No one wanted to see him be that. And the movie bombed. So just because there's stereotypes, archetypes in filmmaking, when it comes to casting and it's your movie, you don't have to follow the norms or the character archetypes when it comes to casting. You can go against the grain. It's no big deal. But just be aware it might not work. It might work for you. It might work for the actor. It might not work for the audience. That's all I'm saying. Now, keep in mind, the example I just gave you with Jim Carrey and the cable guy, that was a studio, big-budget film. And Jim Carrey was an A-lister at the time. Okay, We're not talking about A-listers and big-budget movies right now. So just get rid of that. Get that out of your head. We're talking about independent filmmaking. And I would argue that archetypes are more important in independent filmmaking because you need as many people to like your movie as possible. Is that not the truth? I mean, you don't have the luxury of making a bad choice when it comes to casting. Who knows? It could ruin your career right there. You think you're going to kickstart your career with your very first independent film and it's going to be freaking awesome, but you miscast it. There goes your career. Maybe, maybe not. Especially when people find out that you did the casting. It was your responsibility. That's different if you hire a casting agent. Sure, you can put the blame on them, right? So if you want to play it safe and you cast your movie, find an actor who's stereotypically the character that that actor would be portraying. 
And, you know, it just runs the gamut. Bad guys are typically unattractive men. And if they are attractive, they've got this edge to them that you you just wouldn't want to mess with them. A lead actress. Okay. What's the story? What's her character like? Is the story an action movie where there's lots of violence, fights, kick-ass and take names, scenes? Or is it more lovey-dovey, soft, feminine? If it's action, look at Sigourney Weaver in Alien. She's perfect. That was perfect casting. Look at Linda Hamilton in The The Terminator. Perfect casting. I love both of those actresses. And they have the look, they have the vibe that says, yeah, I'm a woman, but don't fuck with me. As opposed to Robin Wright in The Princess Bride. Robin Wright in The Princess Bride, she had that quality, that soft, feminine, kind of vulnerable. You just want to wrap your arms around her and hug her and tell her it's going to be okay. At that age that she did Princess Bride, she had a certain look. Now, as she's gotten older, of course, she was in Wonder Woman. And she was a badass because that soft look that she had when she was younger is gone. So L-O-O-K. It's all about that look, that vibe. Now, when it came to the hike, Brooke and Derek, my two leads, I saw Brooke's character as... Man, I didn't see her as a stereotype because it was a fine line I had to walk with her. Because I didn't want her to be a pushover. I didn't want her to be super feminine. I wanted her to be able to stand her own ground if need be. But I didn't want her to be too overtly masculine, if that makes any sense to you whatsoever. The actress I was going to choose had to be able to play vulnerable and then, if pushed, an ass kicker. So the character I created, you know, I didn't give myself much room as far as casting goes. It would have been easier if she would have been an ass kicker or a very feminine romantic lead type. But the way I wrote her, she's like right in the middle. And uh, I went through three Brooks before I settled on the actress that I chose to play Brooke. Why I went through four is because I fired three. You have to have a certain level of professionalism for me to be with you or work with you on a movie set. And if I don't feel like you have that, if I don't feel like you're focused, if I don't feel like the movie that you're going to be in, that I wrote, that I funded, is not the most important thing to you for those 18 days, then I, I say bye. See you later. Thanks, but no thanks. At the independent film level, when you don't have SAG actors... When you don't have A-listers, you know, a lot of people just think it's going to be fun. They get into it thinking that it's their lottery ticket. I'm going to be an actor or an actress. I'm going to be in a big movie. My career is going to take off. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to make a ton of money. And they want all that, but they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to do what it's going to take to get them there. And to get them to where they want to be, they're probably going to have to focus more. And they're probably going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Depends on how bad they want it. The three previous Brooks didn't want it bad enough. They were unprofessional, and uh, that's a deal breaker for me. So, And when it comes to Derek, Derek is a sports psychologist. So he's kind of a nerd, probably couldn't play sports himself, got his degree. So Derek didn't have to be super manly. He didn't have to be my superhero. And yet, on the other hand, I also didn't want him to be a wuss. I didn't want him to be a pushover. 
So, you know, I wrote two characters that aren't quite the archetypes. And when it came to casting, I had to look at all the headshots that I got from actors all around the world. And I had to try to see if that was in their eyes, if that, if that look, if that vibe, if they put it off in their, in their headshot. And then, of course, if they have a reel, you watch the reel because the reel is what the camera sees and it's what the audience is going to see if you cast this person. And I'm here to tell you, a camera either loves you or it doesn't love you like you wish it would. Uh, I had a friend back in the day, a female friend who wanted to be an actress. And if you sat down and had lunch with her or had a beer with her, she had a look. She was attractive, but she wasn't overly drop-dead gorgeous attractive. But yet when she was on film, the camera made her look better than she was in reality. The camera loved her. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she tried. She joined SAG. She had little parts in films here and there, and she finally gave it up. It's all about a look. I have a buddy in Atlanta, a dear, dear friend that I've known since film school. This look that he has, he only got cast as policemen, doctors, all-American dads, so he was never going to be a romantic lead or even a bad guy. His entire career, he was going to play characters. He was going to be a character actor. Now, when it came to Grady in The Hike, Grady is the serial killer played by yours truly. Longtime listeners of this podcast know that originally I was not going to play the character of Grady. It was my first movie. I'm producing. I'm directing. I'm writing. I'm doing everything. The last thing I wanted to do was also act. Not to mention, whew, in film school, I was a horrible actor. I was in student projects, and they made me cringe when I watched them back. I was horrible. My confidence level, as far as acting goes, I, I got to tell you, it wasn't that high. But I didn't back down from it because I saw it as a huge challenge. You know, for the hike, I wanted to get performances out of my actors. I wanted to direct a good movie. That was my goal. My goal was not to act in the movie. I looked at lots and lots of headshots from guys. And I saw reels and I just did not see Grady. But when I looked in the mirror, <laughs> I saw Grady. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm realistic. I'm never going to play a leading man. I have the look of the classic bad guy. I have an intense look. I have an intimidating look. When I go on Backstage.com and I look for roles, that's all I look for are bad guys. Because that's my wheelhouse and I know it. And I'm cool with it. Shit. I embrace it. Are you kidding me? In storytelling, there is always going to be an antagonist. And I've brought it up before and I'll say it again. A movie is only as good as its bad guy. I would argue that the bad guy, casting the bad guy, is more important than casting the lead. Maybe not more important, but let's say equally important. How's that? Most of you will buy that. But I'll go to my grave saying the bad guy is the most important role in your movie. And when it comes to casting that bad guy, you get it right, it's going to work. You get it wrong, huh, it's not going to work. So many actors have a hard time dealing with that. They have a hard time being realistic about their looks and the roles that they are going to be able to pull off. Storytelling is all about being real. It's about being realistic, being believable, believable. It's not about pretending. It's about being in the moment, being where your feet are and being that character. And if you're playing a character 
who's a romantic lead, and you have a mug like mine, that's not going to come off as being realistic because I have the archetypical mug of a drug dealer, a murderer, a hitman, a serial killer, (laughs) a bad guy. So when it comes to casting your movie, when you start going through all the headshots that you're going to receive, when I give you the websites uh, where you can post your project, And you will be overwhelmed with responses to your post. And it will be easy to go through and mark no, 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 no. Because if you wrote the script, when you see the person, you'll know it. And it's simply just whittling down, you know, just from 100 headshots, whittle it down to like 50. And then whittle it down to like 20. And then whittle it down to like 10. And don't forget to look at the reel because the actress that I ended up using to play Brooke, I had looked at her headshot a number of times and I passed it over because I didn't like the headshot. And finally, I clicked on the link and this was my fault. You know, if it kind of was my fault, it kind of wasn't my fault. If you see a headshot and it just does, you know, the look is not what you want. I guess there's no sense in clicking on the link and then going to their profile page and seeing their reel. I guess you're just wasting time. But what if they just took a bad headshot, which is what my actress did. And I told her so. I said, dude, you need to redo your headshots. I don't know why. I went to that headshot. I clicked on it. I went to the profile. I hit the reel. I pushed play. And dude, I knew right away this was my girl. It's like, holy shit. Why didn't I see her months ago? Because of the headshot. I just passed right by the headshot. And since I had fired three previous Brooks, uh, the clock was ticking. I wasn't desperate. But what happened was when I was looking for my fourth brook, I started digging in a little deeper. I started looking at the headshots that I passed up originally. And so that's how I got in, saw her reel, saw the way the camera saw her, and knew right away, she's the one. (laughs) Who am I kidding? Had I looked at her reel a month or two before I actually did, and then cast her in the role, (laughs) I... Probably would have canned her as well. (laughs) To be completely transparent, I also went through a Derek. So the Derek that I chose to be in the hike was Derek number two. Derek number one, I felt pretty good about, but in hindsight, in hindsight, I probably didn't make the right call. But what happened was I did not fire Derek number one. Derek number one quit. So Derek, number one, saw me firing Brooke after Brooke after Brooke. And, you know, it got to the point where I would ask these girls to sit in and read with the actor who I chose to play Derek. So I think he looked at it as, you know, Dave, you're wasting my time. You bring these girls in. I meet them. We read for you. You make your decision if we have chemistry or not. And then weeks later, you fire her. And then you ask me to meet another one. And then another one. Fuck this. Honestly, he he didn't think I knew what the hell I was doing, and he got very frustrated and he quit. I honestly can't say I blame him. (laughs) One of my brooks, I flew in from Chicago. Now, if you have money to just blow, don't limit your search for actors for your movie. Don't limit the search to like, you know, a few mile radius from your shoot location you will get responses from all around the world. (laughs) Yeah, 
I flew in Brooke number two from Chicago and we met Derek number one and we actually went to a location and I shot video of them in a scene and I still have that footage. I, I don't know if I should put it on Instagram or not because I don't have a contract for those two. So if they happen to listen to this podcast, which I doubt they do, they probably don't want to have a damn thing to do with anything with my name on it. But, you know, if I post their video, they might get a little upset. I don't know. It would be fun for you to see if you've seen the hike, and then you can compare the two. Because at one point, Derek number one and Brooke number two were going to be the stars of the hike. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Come on, man. You guys got to cut me some slack. The thing about it is, remember when I told you a few episodes ago that you get to a certain age and you just don't care anymore about what people think of you? Well, by the same token, you don't take shit from anybody. You've lived 40, 50, 60 years. You've seen every game there is. You've seen every character there is. You've lived through it. And no one is going to surprise you. You'll see it coming from a mile away. So when the bullshit starts, you just don't put up with it. Like you do like when you're 20 or 25 or 30, where you just want to get along, where you just want to fit in, where you just, you know, you don't want to rock the boat. You avoid confrontation. <laughs> then when you get older, you face confrontation head on and <laughs> you might even look forward to it. A little excitement in your day, right? See what you youngins have to look forward to? It's good times. It really is. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Next episode, I will give you the websites where you can post your movie and expect a ton of responses from actors all around the globe. Yes. And plus, I'll have a couple of casting stories to tell you that have happened to me just recently as an actor. They're pretty funny. So have a good week. Be safe. And always remember, be a lion, not a sheep. Later.